0: Hi everyone, I'm Kalila Reynolds and welcome to another live edition of Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Forgive me if I sound a little bit stuffy this evening. Yep, still recovering from flu or something. I think I actually had dengue like a couple weeks ago. So still sounding a little weird, but I am good and ready to go for tonight's exciting show. But first... Are you part of the Money Mission community? If not, what are you waiting for? Go to moneymission.mn.co. You can click the link in the description or the comments to join. Also want to remind you to hit that like button and subscribe to this channel. And let me know in the comments where you're joining us from. We've got a great show lined up for you. So here's a look at what's coming up, followed by what's hot in business. And of course, come on, let's get this money.
1: Student housing developer and operator 138 Student Living Jamaica is seeking to raise funds through an additional public offering APO. The company is offering 195 million shares to the public, priced at $4.40 each. The offer is currently opened. CEO of One through Eight Student Living Jamaica, Cranston Ewan, and Investment Banking Manager at GK Capital Management Limited, Damien Creary, will join us to discuss. And the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. National Commercial Bank Jamaica has received $9.7 billion in equity capital from its parent company, NCB Financial Group, as it prepares for BESA 3 next year. Wow! And internationally, the U.S. Federal Reserve signaled it will raise interest rates one more time this year. We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. One great studio ended its first week of trading up 20%. The company listed and began trading on the junior market last Tuesday. The stock listed at its IPO price of $1 and ended the week at $1.20 with over 52 million shares trading. One Great Studio is the first Jamaican-owned digital marketing agency to list on the JSC and was the first IPO of the year. There's good news for thousands of SSL investors who are no longer in limbo as some $7 billion in investments and funds at the firm are being unfrozen. According to the Minister of Finance, as of September 22, SSL began transferring clients Jamaican dollar securities to other security dealers selected by clients. The minister said the process could take up to six weeks to complete because of the volume of client accounts. It also said that transferring U.S. dollar securities will take longer because it will involve working with U.S. regulators and U.S. investment companies. Meanwhile, Finance Minister Dr. Nigel Clark said a taxpayers' dollars will no longer be needed to pay SSL's operating costs. Clark explained that SSL received an insurance payout of one million U.S. dollars, which will be used to cover the company's costs. The government had previously announced that it would be temporarily covering SSL's operating costs, such as staff salaries, while the fraud investigation was ongoing. However, the finance minister said an insurance claim was submitted by SSL's temporary manager and the payout is enough to cover the costs. The Venezuelan government last week lashed out at Guyana's latest offshore oil bidding round. Guyana started accepting offers from oil companies for eight offshore blocks, which could have oil or gas deposits. However, the Venezuelan government says Guyana does not have sovereign rights over the areas and any oil activity must be done in agreement with Venezuela. Guyana and Venezuela have been locked in a dispute over their borders for decades and the International Court of Justice is set to hand down judgment on the matter. What's Hot was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. Hey, perhaps I could be of some assistance. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's see who is on the, on the line like this is radio. Let's see who's joining us, who are early viewers and where you're from. Kish is checking in from London as usual. And he says another APO on the horizon. We got Shavane from Portmore. Alton is present and early. James Dea. Emmanuel is representing St. James. Chris says there is a lot to this discussion. Absolutely. Christine checking in from Kingston 19. Sashin from St. Thomas. We got Anthony in Portmore. Christopher in Kingston. Who else we have? Dania straight out of Portmore. Ian all the way in Toronto. Michael in Philadelphia. Orville in Spanish Town. Lamtree from PA. Where exactly is PA? Pennsylvania? I know. Shireen checking in all the way from Bogota. Colombia. We got Grand Cayman in the house. So just to let you know that this is an international show, Atlanta representing, Toronto representing all over Jamaica and all over the world. Shout out to all our viewers. So 138 Student Living is seeking to raise up to $3.2 billion through an additional public offering. That's if the offer is upsized. So let's take a look at the details. All right, so we'll come back to that. Uh, it looks like the recap isn't playing, but just so that you know, Ron 38 Student Living is seeking to raise, that's 3.2 billion The initial offer, not initial, because I want to confuse it with IPO. The actual offer is about 2 billion, but they could get another billion if the offer is upsized. The share price is $4.40 each. That's for regular folk, ordinary Members of the public, but if you are an existing shareholder of 138, you can get those shares at a discounted price of $4.04. So that there's a special rate for existing shareholders. And we want to find out if this investment is right for you. Joining me now are CEO of 138 Student Living Jamaica, Cranston Ewan, and investment banking manager at GK Capital Management, Damien Creary. Hi, Cranston. Hi, Damien.
2: Uh, Hi,
0: great to have you exciting Uh, offer it's already open by the way earlier in september and the scheduled close date is when again remind us this october 6th october 6th so guys you have a couple of weeks to study the prospectus review this interview and make a decision so let's start with damien so tell us a bit about the company what do you do
2: so, well, 138SL is a real estate company listed on the main market of the Jamaica Stock Exchange. It's actually in a niche market in the, in the real estate sector, which is student housing. And 138 primarily caters to students at the University of West Indies, as well as students at, at UTech and, you know, around the area. So, you know, all in all, the, the company is founded on or, or built on its concession agreement with the University of West Indies. So they're guided by that in, in their um, operations. And of course, we'll speak a bit more about the concession agreement.
0: We have to, because that's a big part of your entire business model. Well, how many units do you have now?
2: Well, I think these questions are directed to to Cranston.
3: Right, yeah, right. So, 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 if I may take take those questions, Kalila. Um, One Three Eight currently operates four halls of residence. Um, we have the under two concession agreement. That is, so our first concession agreement is um the One Three Eight Student Living Agreement, and um, under that we operate the Leslie Robinson Hall and the Georgia Lane Halls. And under the restoration agreement, which were existing facilities at the university, we operate the Irving Hall, which was restored to high-rise buildings, and, um, and the, George, the Gerald Laila Flats, sorry. And the Gerald Layla Flats, we primarily use for short-term rental. So we're also operating in that space. So in overall, we right now we operate over one thousand four hundred um, rooms, um, and um, we have the capacity to build out another eight hundred and forty-two rooms here at the university Mona campus.
0: Okay. So, what is the demand like right now for rooms? Because we know COVID severely impacted. Yes. Uh, what is going on in student housing because nobody was on campus, has that Brilliant. fully recovered now?
3: Right, it's a very interesting question you asked, um, Kalila. And yes, COVID-19 was a very trying time for us. Um, we managed to quickly pivoted our business into other areas of revenue generation, uh, particularly one of those is a short-term rental, which we operated in already, but we had to you know, find other solutions and deepen our footprints there. And um, part of our projection coming out of COVID is that actually we thought that we would have, you know, take maybe about 2025 to recover. But in the first year after COVID-19, we we, we saw our occupancy peaking at 93%. Can you imagine that? So, um, (laughs) yes. And so the new academic year just started. We have seen exceptional demand um and and right now already we are in the very high 90s in terms of our occupancy so so you can understand um, there is huge demand for our, our product right now the
0: high 90s is that the best uh, that you've had
3: yes and and there are there are many who could not get accommodation oh. this year so you can understand there is excess demand
0: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So that means you, we don't have to pay you right now. because
3: <laughs> We're happy for that and happy for them. Also. I'm sure
0: they're happy for that too. Yes. yes.
3: <laughs>
0: but, but in the prospectus, you did note that, and forgive me guys, because I did mix up the two of you earlier. I did mean to Sorry. address that first question to, to Cranston. But in yes. the prospectus, you did note that your business model is not diversified because all of the units are at UE Mona. So right. for example, if there's like a hurricane or an earthquake and all of your units are affected, you're pretty much screwed. Do you have plans to build residence at other campuses, say, in different countries?
3: Right, yes, that's, that's that definitely is our plan. Um, suffice to say, we do carry adequate insurance coverage <laughs> and to, to manage that aspect of our risk. But um, yes, part of our plans is to look at diversification. Um, Our model is one that is easily replicatable and um, we have you know we are seeing demand you know you know from even nearby university the University of Technology that we house a number of their students on on our halls right now and um, and we see other areas of demand around the country there are other universities and of course um, the region is there there are opportunities for us to tap into you know, in the nearby Caribbean islands where we're not yet playing in, and of course, internationally. And I want to say also, Kalila, that even though we are in the student housing space, our model can be adapted to other type of housing facilities. And so we're Mm. looking at some of those opportunities even as we speak. Tell me more.
1: Well, there are some that I cannot
3: disclose right now because, you know, they, they, they are pretty much at the at the, um, the, the early stage, and, and as such, I cannot fully disclose, but there are some opportunities we're looking at, even with the government of Jamaica, which is outside of the student oh. housing space.
0: Ah, which brings me to another question, but first, our recap of the offer is now playing. We had some technical difficulties earlier, so let's go to that look at the offer.
1: 138 Student Living is looking to raise over $2 billion through an additional public offer. The company is offering 513 new million shares for sale, with an option to upsize by 256 million shares. Existing 138 shareholders, employees, and key partners can purchase new shares for $4.05, while new investors can purchase shares for $4.40. The minimum amount of shares you can purchase is 1,000, followed by increments of 100. The offer opened on September 8 and is scheduled to close on October 6. GK Capital is the lead broker.
0: Okay, did it freeze? I'm not sure if it froze or if that was my internet giving trouble, but um, hopefully you're able to to see some more about the offer. So coming back to you, Cranston, just yes. confirm that you, you're hearing me. Okay, good. <laughs> my I'm P- hearing you Kalila. Of my course, internet is not. Did it freeze for you just now? No, it didn't. Oh, okay. So, so something's like, uh, going on with, with my internet. All right. So you did mention, uh, we have been talking about yes. the concession agreement, which mm-hmm. I almost want to say 138 is famous for. <laughs> when I think of 138, that's one of the things yes. that comes to mind. Like it's a business model that basically you can't lose. You have a minimum 30-year mm-hmm. deal with Yui that guarantees you 90% occupancy, and that basically saved you during covid but because that's such an essential part of your business model, how ironclad is that deal? Like, has there been any attempt by you to renegotiate, especially given what happened during COVID?
3: Right. So so there has been no renegotiations based on COVID, at least not at this point in time. Um, remember, Khalila now we operate two different concession agreements. One that covers... Um, uh, the Georgia Lane Hall and the Leslie Robinson Hall, and another that covers the Irvin Hall and the, the Jerry Leila Flats. Now, what I will say to you is that um, we did have a heads of agreement um, earlier last year with the university where um, the the concession agreement that governs the Irvin Hall and the Leslie Robinson, and in particular the Irving Hall, we had an amendment on the agreed return on investment, where uh, prior to that, it was at 15% and we renegotiated to 9%. Um, And there are some negotiations that we we engage the university in and we consider on our side a win and on the university side a win and for all stakeholders. So um, yes, but outside of that, I would think that we have a very, very sound concession agreement. It's a bedrock on which investors invested in the business. And um, and it's one that we hold very dearly. Yes.
0: And notice too that you ventured out into short-term rentals as well. So yes. we know you primarily for student housing, but you're now doing mm-hmm. some Airbnbs. Uh, how many of the units are reserved for that?
3: Right. So so Kalila, we, we, we actually don't really do Airbnbs. Um, we... We consider our short-term rental, a lot of which is aligned to groups. So there are groups from the university that come here. They could be professors. It could be overseas um, um, students doing research programs. Um, it could be um, doctors or persons aligned to the university, hospital, or even patients. And then there are also sporting groups, which patronize us a lot. Um, over the years, we have hosted a number of schools in the the Boys and Girls Championship uh, and other sporting groups. Um, they, we, we recently hosted also the, the recent netball championships that were here and rugby championships. So that is where our, our short-term rental market is pitched. We, we really don't do a lot in the Airbnb space.
0: Ah, okay, because yes. there is a perception. I was speaking to some students and yes. they were telling me 138 has Airbnb, and I was like, Really? And I looked in the prospectus, I did see short-term rentals. So it's a specific group of people, it's not listed right. on Airbnb. No, Persu- we
3: are listed on Airbnb. Oh, you
0: are? Well, so tell me you're not listed, you know, you do Airbnb. No, we are listed, but I will say to you that
3: our business is not around that. Because um, if you were to look at what we get from Airbnb on any annual um, basis I, I don't think we, we, we get more than 20 persons or so because it's not one of our, our focus our focus is on groups and most airbnb they're really short one one night two night or three night stays and um, and so our model for, for short term rental is not positioned in that way
0: oh okay but i was wondering about the safety of that so you have a, a community that is that primarily houses students yes. But then you also yes. give access to anybody who wants to come in and rent a unit.
3: And that's why I wanted to correct that. That we are not a big player in the in the Airbnb space. We're very small. And um, and, and anyone who comes to us through Airbnb space is appropriately scrutinized. And recall, we are a 24 hour gated community, also. So we have some type of restrictions. So as I said, our big space is, you know, is in the groups. Uh, bookings and bookings aligned to the university and so
0: on. Okay. All right. Let me bring Damien back in. Let's talk about the use of proceeds for this offer. A big part of the proceeds will be used to reduce debt from $3.5 billion to $2 billion. Explain the impact that this will have on the company.
2: So, of course, the, the main impact is that would unlock some cash flows, which would allow the company to pay dividends, which is the the primary purpose of this, this, APO to derive value from the balance sheet and distribute that to shareholders in the way of dividends. So in terms of numbers, it should free up approximately or over 250 million in terms of principal payments and interest payments. And of course, it would also impact the the income statement. So you should expect a larger net profit should the offer be successful.
0: Per year? It's gonna free up 250 million over what period of time?
2: So it it has stages because of course the you know you have different debt maturities and different debt profiles, but for the 2024 financial year that 250 million figure is actually accurate. So slightly above that 250 million in terms of the minimum raise. Of course, in the maximum raise, it would free up a bit more cash for the company. You
0: know, there are a lot of people, every time I do these interviews and we look at these prospectuses and you see use of proceeds, pay off debt, I get people in the comments who are skeptical about raising funds to pay off debt. So why do an APO? To pay debt because you have people who think that APO shouldn't be used for that, IPO shouldn't be used for that. You should use it to invest in the yeah. company. Kalila, yeah. let me, let me take well, that one. Country. Maybe if I may
3: take that one. Kalila, um, one three eight, and I just want to put it in perspective. One three eight, when when all these towers were built, was built with a lot of debt, and um, and so on our on our books right now, we have in excess of four billion dollars worth of debt, and so what happens is that a significant portion of our cash flows goes towards servicing debt and paying and paying interest payments. What we are trying to do here is to deleverage a company and, and to, 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 to say to our shareholders and our prospective shareholders that, um, you know, come on us with this journey or continue on us with this journey. Um, part of our intention is to is to return a significant portion of the return of the of the earnings from this company in the form of dividends to our shareholders. And we would have signaled that also because in February of this year, we, we had our first dividend, in February, we had our first dividend payments to our shareholders. And, and so what, what we're saying is that um, being tied to, to the banks in a high interest rate regime, as it were, and, and lucky for, luckily for us, during the COVID period of time, we rene- renegotiated some of our, our debts with our bankers. And um, and so we were able to move from what was primarily a favorable rate interest payments to fixed rate interest payments. So our average interest right now on the debts is somewhere like about 8.5%, which is below the market. So we benefit a lot of that. But looking at the company over the long term and where we want to grow. Um, freeing up ourselves from some of these debt will also enable us to grow the company to the heights where we have it and to make use of the opportunities that we see right now in front of us. So it's kind of twofold: it's deleveraging the company and being able to, you know, pay dividends to our shareholders and then to look for growth opportunities. Um, to maximize on the growth opportunities that currently exist.
0: So this brings me to a question from one of our viewers, Shelly-Ann Parkinson. Shelly-Ann says there was IPO money plus other borrowed money plus no dividends. I don't see what they did with all that money. They paid one dividend in 2023 because they knew an IPO was coming. Can you respond to that, Cranston?
3: Right. a very good comment and observation Shelian um 138 is still a very young company in a growth phase um we're just about eight years old um a, a lot of the, the the debt that we raised as a matter of fact all the debt that we raised went into the construction phase of the business and um and because we were so locked up in debt um you know it restricted us a lot from paying dividends and then um in, in, say, 2019, about when we begin to turn around the company and begin to record profits on our bottom line, then came COVID-19. And so if you would have noticed and you look at the fundamentals, you would have seen that um, they, even in 2020, um, while we were under COVID-19, because of the strength of the concession agreements that you have, you see that we were still able to, to record significant Profits to our bottom line. Okay. So, um, what we are looking at now is saying to our shareholders, we want to move the company in the positive direction into a sustainable future. And this is the reason why we're back here, you know, with an APO to look into the leverage a company, free of its its debt burden and position the company for growth and, and and to be able to honor our obligation to our shareholders.
0: As you mentioned, that obligation to yeah. shareholders, primary among mm-hmm. them is dividend yes. consideration. I saw yes, in the Prospectus where you do have plans for more dividends. Yes. Uh, tell me what that could possibly look like.
3: Well, well yes, we, we do have significant plans. Um, Part of our plans is to be able to return, you know, like a dividend yield somewhere in the region of about eight percent. And that will be one of the among the best dividend yields in the market. I mean, Damien, Damien, I'm sure, can speak more to that. Um, but but definitely what we are looking at is that once we are able to to have and generate the cash flows rather than paying interest payments, then of course our intention is to is to have a very good dividend payment um to to our shareholders, both, both existing and and prospective. So yeah. Damien, I will invite you
2: to speak yeah. on that. If, if I could just add to that, so so definitely, so 138 SL is designed to generate cash flows and distribute them to shareholders, shareholders, as I said. Of course, historically they would have been paying interest and principal payments to bondholders. So this APO really is just a gateway to achieve the goal of paying dividends to shareholders. It's not complex, it's really simple. So instead of paying bondholders, now the company wants to pay shareholders um, semi-annually between eight to 10%. Of course, that, that's subject to you participating at the 405 or the $4.40 price that we have here um, for the APO. And I think one point, that was probably um, missed, um, I think from the previous question is that this isn't solely for repayment of debt. You know, the company has excess demand that it's trying to meet right now. And of course, if you have excess demand, you have to expand. And that's why you'd seen use of proceeds. I think it's the second one listed that they have plans to expand the room capacity by another 144 rooms or approximately 10%. And I think that's the, the, the Leslie Robinson Hall. Um can correct me if I'm wrong.
3: Right, right. So yes, that's 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 immediate um, at the Leslie Robinson Hall, and it's a significant component of our fundraise. Um we do have we do have that construction, it was started a while back and we postponed it at the you know from in the early stage. So the foundation is already laid. And based on the demands that we are seeing, we are thinking that now is a right time that we can build out that additional capacity and begin to look to grow the company and um, for top line growth, which is absolutely necessary. Also,
0: okay, I don't know what's going on with my camera while it keeps <laughs> falling for some reason. I'm going to get up and tighten it in a second. So yes. just before we move on from that dividend point, because I, I do want to talk more about these other investment opportunities, we have a question from Sean. Who says 8% dividend yield based on what price? Damien, can you take that one?
2: Yeah, I can. So, of course, there, there are different metrics because there's a minimum raise and there's a maximum raise. So, that 8% would be a combination of the minimum raise and the $4.40 price. And then the 10% would obviously be the other side of the body, which would be the The maximum raise is on the 405 price. So existing shareholders, 138SL employees, strategic partners, of course, they will benefit from that 405, but of course, the offer is is designed to welcome new shareholders at the 4040 price.
0: Now, Kish wants to know, is 138SL not a REIT that should pay out almost 90% of earnings? It's a very good question that Kish is asking, you know, uh, and, um,
3: and the, the answer to that is simply, um, to some extent, yes, because our dividend policy um, suggests that we, we we should be paying 90% of our earnings. And of course, this is something that we intend to achieve over a period of time. Um, so, So yes, Kish, you are absolutely correct. But at the same time,
0: time, there are no true REITs in Jamaica. We don't have any law that mandates REITs to pay any dividends at all. So REITs are a creature of the United States. We've kind of borrowed the model, but there's no law like there is in the U.S. to say that this has to be the case for a REIT. All right. Coming to the use of proceeds, the other use of proceeds. So we have the $1.5 for paying down debt. And then we have over 500 million that will be used for other investment opportunities. Uh, Tell me about those opportunities. So you mentioned that there is excess demand for housing. So half a billion dollars is a lot of money. Is that specifically what this uh, portion of the funds is going to be used for? Are you going to be starting construction?
3: Right, so so in, in the real scheme of things, Khalila uh, and construction, where prices are at now, half a billion dollars in terms of one of our high-rise towers is is not a lot of money, um, in in the real sense because construction costs are, are very high and we are, we are very mindful of that. Um, so what what I would say to you is that, and this is why we we, we are looking to upsize to three point I think what is it, Damien, three point two billion somewhere there, about because the the additional funds will go towards um, the, the additional construction that we have right now of that 144 rooms. That's part of our immediate focus. Okay, The other opportunities, later on we will take them as we see that they are beneficial to our shareholders in terms of what are the potential returns. But our focus right now is on immediately the additional rooms where we have real demand
0: so you didn't go into much detail about mm-hmm. that in the prospectus and yes. shelian again with the tough questions shelian says yes. can the ceo confirm that after this apo there will be enough money to build all the new units pay by annual dividends without having to borrow more money anytime soon
3: right so so we did our analysis and and the simple answer to that is yes because and and we and and you know this is really forward looking because we assume also that all things will be equal, um, and of course, God forbid, we don't have anything like another COVID nineteen. But um, but yes, the, the business also will continue to generate positive cash flows, um, you know, into the foreseeable future. That we can we can you know you know with good um, sense of purpose um, understand. So the answer to that is is, is yes, based on our forecasts, yes.
0: Daz wants to know, will there be expansion on the UTEC campus?
3: Well, um, you know, as as I would have indicated earlier, Daz, we we do host a number of University of Technology students. Um, Each year, the demand from them become more. We cannot speak definitive that there will be construction on the university campus. Those are left to further negotiations and discussions. But what we do know right now is that we see the, the demand and we understand the need, and we are carefully assessing um, our next uh, move in terms of that.
0: Orville wants to know, what is the estimated cost to construct 800 rooms, cost per unit?
3: Well, 800 rooms, We, we I can speak right now to... To 144 rooms, and 144 rooms may take us into about 900 million dollars.
0: Okay, straightforward answer. <laughs> I like that. Uh, let me see what else do we have here. I have a few more comments from the public, but also I want to get into the share price. So, Damien, uh, I checked the share price today, and 138 student living and in trading today at $4.32 a share, which is cheaper than the offer price for the public at $4.40. So what was the thinking behind uh, putting the share price at
2: $4.40? Well, of, of course, when we had set that price, the, the market was above that. But nonetheless, our thinking still remains um, relevant in that, at four thousand forty cents, you're able to access um, 513 million shares, or you can apply for up to 513 million shares. However, on the market, I know that you would have seen that the volumes are quite low, and most persons probably probably wouldn't be able to get the volumes that they're seeking. So, the the market. Not, does not necessarily have price discovery right now, meaning the, the price as reflected in the market may not represent the true value of the stock. However, um, of course, that, that's why we structured it like this. Having $4.40 and the $4.05, it gives investors the opportunity to access large volumes, but also to reduce execution risk. Es- execution risk, meaning most people, you know, they want to buy their stocks over a certain period of time. You don't want to be buying at $4.30 and then the price jumps to $4.40, and then the price jumps to $4.50 because you can't control the price. So buying at $4.40 and, and locking in that price is, is actually reducing your risk of actually getting the amount of shares that you want.
0: So let me ask you, because the the offer has been open for a couple of weeks already. What is the demand looking like so far? What's the take-up so far?
2: Well, of course, I can't speak to an exact figure, but the demand is strong, and as you would imagine for an offer of this size, institutional investors have um, shown their interest because, of course, they would they would love to be receiving dividends semi-annually, as would certain investors, you know, whether closer to retirement or people that just require that, that kind of um, cash flow yearly.
0: Okay. Some more questions from the viewers. Sean wants to know, what is the ideal debt amount that you guys want to reach?
3: Right. I, I will take that one. Kalila. Thanks, Sean. Um, you know, ideally, I would like to say, we would like to slice our debt in somewhere about halfway. <laughs> yes, we are carrying 4.2. billion, just a little below 4.2 billion now. And if we can get to say anywhere, say $2.5 billion in debt that we are carrying, I believe that that is manageable for us and to be able to achieve our objectives.
0: Okay, next tough question from Shelly Ann -Ann is on fire this evening. She said the agreement as per the IPO prospectus for the new units had a four-year deadline. Why was the deadline not met?
3: Um, I just want to be clear on that question from Shellyann. Are we talking about the deadline to build the, the, the units
0: that we you're talking about? Let me see if she can answer quickly. Stop. All right. We have to wait on her to answer that question. So I, I don't know at this point.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So are you familiar with any four-year deadline? What was the deadline referring to? She says yes. Okay.
3: All right. So again, another very good question, Shelley. And So 138 um, out units at the University of the West Indies was a is like was a new concept in terms of you know, and even the the price point of the units of renting the units is higher than the normal um, university housing campus because here, here the, 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 the standards are much higher. Um, what you get for for your accommodation everything built into that all the facilities fully furnished um, at a very high standard of living and so in the early days there was a store take up okay and so we postponed the the further build out of the units um, what we what we saw at the at in the advent of 2019 is um, take up suddenly increased and that was when for the first time we we surpassed the 90% mark in terms of occupancy we peaked during that period of time at basically 99% let's call it 100% and um, and that was very good and from there on we continued to grow in terms of demand because what we find is that you know university students these days they're very discerning they want Good quality accommodation, and um, and and so we find that the the demand has just been blown away over the, the last few years, and then you had COVID, and then coming back out of COVID, as I would have indicated, we immediately re- returned to an above ninety percent occupancy, which even us here at One Three Eight we were not expecting to to return to a ninety percent occupancy so so quickly. So, you know, it, it's it's part of the cycle of the business that you put a new business out there, it takes some time to take traction, and now we are in a phase of, 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 of growth and sustainability.
0: All right, so before we wrap up, let's take some technical questions. How do people apply for this APO? Damien?
2: Yes, so there, there are three avenues that investors can apply to. The first one is, is our website, gk1wealth.com. We also have two selling agents at this time, JM Fund Managers, so their platform is JM Blue. And of course, for the JMMB clients, you're probably familiar with Moneyline. So three avenues that, that investors can apply.
0: Philip wants to know, does buying tomorrow qualify one as an existing shareholder?
2: No, so you <laughs> would have had to be a shareholder as at september
0: 6th so before the apo opened
2: yeah right before so it opened on the 8th
0: yeah remember guys it's already open and it's scheduled to close on october what was it 9th you said 6th
2: which is next week Friday.
0: next week friday Uh, michael wants to know when will dividends pay out Any idea well that's, that's
3: a good that's a good question. Um if I if I may take that. Um, of course for, for dividends is something that normally we look at at the board level. I, I while I do not want to preempt what my board will decide, I, I am I am anticipating and suspecting that we paid dividend in February of this year, and it is likely to see, you know, that the next trend could be next February. But um, you know, I say that with with the fact that you know these are discussions that happens in the boardroom. And of course, shareholders will be appropriately
0: advised. Ah, right. And finally, I did notice that there are no financial projections in the prospectus. So what can we expect from 138 in the next one to five years? Well, um, what what we can expect, and I mean,
3: I I, I will say this on the basis that we have this successful raise and our our investors, the shareholders, continue to support the business for which we are very thankful of. But we, we do anticipate that we will see some growth in our top line revenue. And uh, one of the things is that, Kalila, is that we have been astutely managing this business in a very tight fiscal way. Because we recognize that this type of business, you have to have good, you know, you have to be very efficient. And I think um, a lot of that has helped us along the way. And it is one of the intentions that we intend to continue in in this vein. And um, and of course, if we are successful with this raise, we will see, as Damien would have indicated, some maybe about another 200 or so million or more million being added to our bottom line. So, of course, the intention is to grow our top line revenue and and our bottom line profitability um, in a very sustained way and, and to continue to to manage this business you know, for our shareholders and, 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 and all our stakeholders that are involved. Can,
2: all right. Can I just add a disclaimer? So the dividends I would have mentioned or the, the forecast dividend yields, it's 10%. Of course, that was based on the company's um, forecast, but you guys can always do your own math. You, know, you can be guided by the prospectus in terms of the expected interest savings or interest cost savings and just work your way down to the net profit and then you know, calculate it from, from there on and forecast.
0: So I'm seeing in the comments that there is some contradicting info. Some other interview was done and there was something else said, but well, I'm not getting the details as to what was said. I think it refers to where I think it was Philip's question about, let me see if I can find it back. Philip's question was about if you buy tomorrow, if you'll be uh, an existing shareholder? And apparently something else was said in a different interview regarding that.
2: I'm not aware of that, but I can, I mean, right. can right. I, I,
3: I, am, I, I would like to clarify that I am aware, um, but I, while I don't have the answer to that, to that question, um, I believe that um, it is something, Damien, that we can research and we can, you know, just put it out there to be clear to our prospective shareholders. But I'm aware that yes, that that was said in a previous interview. Um, But I'm not so sure about it. So I I would not be able to definitely answer whether or not one could um, one could buy um, now and then be a part of the, the the key investor pool or whether or not you would have had to be an investor before September 6. So it's something that we need to clarify. Okay.
4: Yes.
0: Yeah. That that seems that sounds to me like it was probably a mistake. Because yes. you have an APO and then you can buy after the APO and be an existing shareholder. I I don't see how that would possibly work. So yeah. look into that, please, and let us know. Yeah, you should be guided um, by
2: the prospectus as well. So it, it's, yes. it's stated in the prospectus.
0: What does the prospectus say?
2: Um, certain that it says September 6th.
0: Okay. All right. Well, the prospectus would be the final word because that is what is published. And those are the rules guiding this offer. That's correct. You would have had to be a shareholder before September 6th. I'm going to take a quick look during the break as well and just confirm that that's what it says. But thank you so much, Cranston and Damien. All the best with this offer. And we look forward to hearing the results. Guys, the link is in the description if you want to read the prospectus for yourself and apply for this APO. Thanks, guys.
2: All right. Thank you. Talia.
3: Thank you very much. and Thank you very much for your listeners out there. And uh, we truly appreciate the opportunity to be on your program. Thank OK. You.
0: And it's now time for tonight's poll question. And obviously, our question is, are you interested in 138 Student Living's APO? Here are your options. Yes, I'm definitely going to take part, maybe because of those dividends. No, I won't be purchasing uh, see, not sure yet. I'll decide later. You have about a week and a half left to decide or other leave a comment. You can take this poll on Twitter or on the community tab of my YouTube channel and also leave your comments in the chat. I'll take a look after we come back from the break. But before we go to that break, last night inside the Money Mission, I hosted Ask Khalila How to Get Ish Done. I gave my top 10 productivity hacks and here's a short clip number one, take care of yourself. People want to know how you get stuff done. You have those who believe in the sleepless nights and that sleep is for suckers. And I think Steve Harvey, I saw Steve Harvey saying he only sleeps like four hours a night. I completely disagree with that approach. I believe that you need to take care of yourself first and foremost before anything else. Um, You know, those messages in the airplane when they said, you know, put on your oxygen mask before you can help anyone else. You have to nourish yourself in order to be your most productive. A rested mind is, to me, the most productive mind, an energized mind, a mind that can think of things that you might not have thought of before, things that a tired mind won't be able to, to think of. So get your full eight hours sleep Absolutely. And I find as well that sleeping on things helps you to wake up with clarity. So when you are able to get a good night's sleep, uh, if something you went to sleep, something bothering you many times, you wake up and all of a sudden there's clarity. Uh, That's why that's one of the reasons sleep is important. Also making sure that you get. Well, the replay is now available inside the Money Mission community with either a basic or premium membership. And in fact, I'm giving away the cheat sheet tonight for free. So that was tip number one of 10 tips. And I feel like that was one of the most important ones. Um, Make sure you get your rest, take care of your mind, body, soul. That's the only way you can be productive. But I'm giving away that same document that I read from tonight for free. And you can check the description box on this video for the download link. I've also added our calendar of events for the next six months so you can know exactly what's coming up in the Money Mission. In October, we've got a basic accounting webinar coming up on the 2nd, our official in-person launch on the 9th. And the next edition of Ask Mike with Michael Leachin on either the 30th or the 31st. And you can check the link in the description as well to download our calendar. Now, I wanna remind you guys to hit up the like button as I somebody mentioned. Where you go? Spartan says 200 people watching and less than 10% like the video. Come on, people. We can do better than that. Like the video. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by.
1: This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy.
0: Hey, moneymakers, join the KRM fam with our official merch. Get it now at Khaliloranals.com. Let's get this money.
1: The J.C. combined index lost over 2,000 points or less than 1% last week. 122 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week, ending Friday, September 22, 2023. 43 made gains, 65 lost value, and 14 stayed the same. 103 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $432 million. Newly listed One Great Studio was last week's most traded stock, It took up 50% of market volume, with 52 million shares trading. The stock gained 20 cents on its listing price to open Monday at $1.20. The stock was also the week's second-biggest gainer. Wigton traded at the second-highest. The stock lost 2 cents to open this week at $0.68. And Trans-Jamaica and Highway rounded out last week's most traded, with 5 million shares changing hands. The stock lost 9 cents to open Monday at $2.54. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. CAC2000 was the market's biggest gainer. The stock climbed 27% to open Monday at $4.46 and General Accident Insurance was up 14% to open the week at $5.20. On the losing side now, First Rock Real Estate Investments USD was the week's biggest loser. The stock lost 2 cents to open Monday at $0.05 US. ISP Finance Services was the week's second-biggest loser, opening the new week at $35. And Eppley's 7.5% preference shares due 2024 was down 18%, closing last week at $5.56. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the Composite Index was mostly stable last week. National Enterprises was the most-traded stock. The stock lost $0.10 to open this week at $3.55 TT. Guardian Media was the biggest gain of the week. The stock was up 10% to start the week at $2.20 TT. And on the losing side, One Caribbean Media fell 4% to open Monday at $3.56 TT. Over in the U.S., the Dow Jones lost almost 2% last week, while the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both dipped about 3%. At the pumps, the price of 87 gas rose $2.57 last week, while 90 was up $2.68. Meanwhile, regular diesel prices rose $4.50 and low sulfur diesel was up $4.30. In foreign exchange, it took an average $155.42 Jamaican to purchase one US dollar last Friday. That's 18 cents less than a week before. Meanwhile, it took an average $115.99 Jamaican to purchase one Canadian dollar. One British pound cost on average $190.43 Jamaican, and you could buy one euro for $167.43 Jamaican on average. Finally, on the crypto markets, Bitcoin prices fell almost 4% over the past five days, trading at $26,126 US on Monday, while Ethereum was down almost 3%, trading at $1,578 US on Monday. This segment of Taking Stock the Analyst is brought to you by Profit Jumpstarter. Disclaimer. This is not intended as financial advice. Please consult a licensed financial advisor before making investment decisions.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, before I introduce our analyst panel, let me pull up the prospectus. So here we go. We want to take a look at that question and clarify the issue of um, who would be qualified as existing shareholders. And this is what it says here in the prospectus uh, under definitions. It says existing shareholders... The registered holders of the existing ordinary shares of the company as at the opening date. And the opening date was September, was it the 6th or the 9th? Either way, it's already gone. So if you buy today, you would be a new shareholder, not an existing shareholder. You would have had to be an existing shareholder before the opening date of this APO. So perhaps some other info was given previously, but the prospectus is the final word and the authority on that arrangement. So just check the prospectus to see. All right, time now for the analysts. I'm joined by business writer at the Jamaica Observer, David Rose, and CEO of Profit Jumpstarter, Keisha Bailey. Welcome back, David and Keisha. Hi. Okay, let's start with you this evening, David. NCB is back in the news. They've just received almost $10 billion in equity capital from its parent company, NCB Financial Group. Why did the parent company give NCBJ nearly $10 billion? Like, what's going on? Please explain that to us.
5: So, Basel III is this magical thing we keep hearing about. So, people are wondering, why does it matter? So, in the case of NCBJ, they are going to, you know, have to, look at the reality of Basel III requiring a higher regulatory capital minimum, which in turn means that they'd have to raise their regulatory capital. So in the case of how you calculate regulatory cap- capital, it is your share capital, your retained earnings reserve, and your tax reserve, add those three up, you get regulatory capital. Then you have the risk weighted assets. The assets are Simple thing to calculate that's a bit told to you by you know the company once you buy the relative capital by the actual risk sets, what you get is your capital adequacy. So under the Basel three, basically that 10% is likely going to change to 12 and a half percent or even higher. So as a result, NTBG has to you know increase its capital adequacy. To ensure that it's not too close to the minimum that should be applicable under Basel III. So at the end of March, it was 13.29%. And with this recent injection from its parent company, they're pushed up now to around 15% in the capital adequacy. Per to say, well, that's not much, but the fact that so much money when it was in the 1% jump kind of shows you how, you know. Much or how large NCB really is for this context, and to be honest, NCBJ's capital injection kind of tells me, say, hey, this might be a reason for the APO, because where would NCB financial group, the parent company, get that money in the first place to give NCBJ? Remember, they're a holding company. the right, management fees they get from NCBJ, and the dividend income they get from NCBJ, Guardian or other subsidiaries. They literally don't earn any other form of income, potential investment securities. Mm. So it's likely that you know NCB Financial would have taken additional debt recently to give NCBJ that actual you know capital injection because over the last year, well, between September 2021 and September 2022, NCBFG's cash went down from 15.8 billion dollars to 280.63 million dollars, and that's a quite a you know steep drop. So, on the NTBFG side, there's something called double leverage ratio, and best practice and you know standard is that that shouldn't pass 120%. That what that I means is, is the equity of the holding company divided by the apologies. The equity of the subsidiaries divided by the equity in the parent company should not pass 120 percent. If it does pass 120 percent, they never have a problem, and that's where the BOJ would say, Hey, you have to adjust this or deal with it.
0: So, so do you have an idea what this would make that ratio?
5: That's just it. I don't know because at the end of December 2022, it was at 120 percent.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know. I, That's if indeed. So we're assuming that it's debt based on what you explained. But they would have to disclose this in their next financial statements anyway, right? So we soon find out.
5: Well, the quarterly reports, the disclosures are not as appropriate. But if you're reading the auditing numbers which come out in December, then you're going to actually see these details in the notes. So, you know, go ahead, Kalila.
0: No, I'm listening. I'm listening very keenly.
5: So, what people need to remember is that if NCBJ takes on, in this case, equity capital, what it does is that it increases the equity of the whole company, and you know, that in turn, you know, reduces the double leverage ratio and brings it down. Because remember, the devil is taking $10 billion given to NCBJ, so that means that NCBJ, which is an its equity would go up while you know, equity in the holding company had been remained the same. So, by you know, you know, APO they could reduce the debt and on top of that, increase the equity in the holding company, which in turn brings them down on the double leverage ratio. And this is just you know to show people that why they're saying NCB financial going made $1 dollars net profit last year, and this and that. The reality is if you don't try throwing, flowing through the holding companies, you're going to get lost by looking at the consolidated numbers. Let me explain it again. NCB Financial Group's consolidated numbers shows the economic activity of all the businesses in the NTB Financial Group minus any intercompany transactions. So when you sit here $40 billion, that's representing, you know, all the activities that have happened within the group. The $28 billion in profit attributable to shareholders represents what is attributable to NTFG shareholders in particular. And although you're seeing such a large figure, not all of that income can actually flow up to the parent company. So, remember, NCB Financial Group has four key subsidiaries. NCBJ, the Jamaican Bank, as a wholly owned subsidiary. Clarion Group, which they own 50.1% of. They own 61.77% of Guardian Holdings and 100% of TFOB Limited, which is basically a link. When you actually check it out and look at the company financials for NTBFG, keyword company, not to consolidated the numbers, you see where dividend income had a significant drop, you know, during 2022. So in 2021, they got $14.97 billion in dividend income and that all came from NCBJ. In 2022, they only got $1.23 billion in dividend income. So you can see, if the dividend income of our subsidiaries are going up, how can you pay dividends to shareholders? And this is just you know, showing, I'm giving a very simplistic overlay of how cash is moving through the financial group. And a major issue that people don't seem to realize is that while gardening is a great business, their dividend is being paid in their own currency what they mean by that
0: so, dollars.
5: yeah that's the big issue because ncb fg doesn't directly own the guardian shares immediately they have an intermediary subsidiary called ncb global holdings limited registered and tobago and what the ncb global holdings gets they then remit to the parent company once it can actually you know be paid out as dividend income to come to the jamaica bank account
0: And I just saw an an article out of Trinidad saying that one of their major banks, I don't remember which one... Republic. They're now um, reducing the amount that you can spend on your credit card in US dollars. Like, they cut it in half. From 10
5: grand to 55,000
0: US. Yeah, exactly. So that just goes to show the issues that Trinidad has that foreign exchange issue, which is playing out in this whole NCB saga as well.
5: Because the funny thing is...
0: Mm-hmm. go
5: ahead so so even price married to the one that you know sells on import more already road they had one million dollars worth of u.s dollar worth of expenses associated just to get usd auto-traded in tobago and that just for the quarter that ended recently they spent more than three million dollars u.s alone getting money auto-traded that for the last nine months wow how did they achieve that they bought euros and canadian dollars and then sold them in to get u.s dollars and what they'd also done is, you know, export the goods to other countries or other member territories, for example, Jamaica, and then, you know, take those U.S. dollars, take for their liabilities. Because if you try to cash up into financial group, for one, planning group has paid their dividends to date since they acquired in 2016, TFOB Limited, which is Link, has gotten $2 billion worth of equity to, you know, start operations and grow, garden who isn't paying dividends. But... Whereas in 2020 they got a 95% of whatever Guardian paid out into their Shemakanda the Bank account, they only got 2% back in 2022. I didn't know what it is in 2023.
0: So so coming back to the, the APO, the, sorry, the NCB issue and this $10 billion capital injection from the parent company, this could explain why they're doing an APO at this time basically confirms what we've been suspecting on the show for the past several weeks
5: exactly and the thing is this is where going on the BOJ the Bank of Jamaica's website comes in handy so they publish the balance sheets of the commercial banks the merchant banks and the building societies every quarter and when you compare the balances for share capital between March and June that's where you see that difference showing up you know for NCBJ and their parent company is NCB Financial Group. So that's how you understand that NCB FG gave NCB J the bank, $10 billion in equity. And you've seen it even with JN Bank, they got $7 billion worth of equity from their parent company, JN Financial Group, in the most recent financial year for them. And JN Bank got a billion dollars from their parent company as well. So you're seeing you know, the parent companies having to inject more equity capital into the subsidiaries but at the same time, those pair companies have to be careful because they don't want to pass the one hundred and twenty percent, you know, in essence cap or marker for double leverage ratio. But with respect to the APO, person just saying, Why didn't they do a rest issue? Why didn't they take on preference shares for example? So there are different forms or ways, you know, of where you can issue preference shares. The ones that were most commonly associated with what we know is to readable preference shares. So for example, JBB group limited preference shares, airplay preference shares, I want it preference shares. But the thing about those preference shares is that those are liabilities. Those don't go directly towards equity unless you meet certain conditions. And the thing is if you're going to say why well, didn't they issue, the reality is they're going to need to look towards you know several potential investors to support the size and quantum of this offer and to go through the mechanisms of you know making offer available to other parties and other f- situations might not be worth the time. So this is an APO street and allow persons to buy in is a straight and straightforward and more simple way for them to get the equity capital, reduce their up- leverage ratio, and you know pay down debt as well. So NCBFG, the company, you know, they have about eight to one billion dollars worth of debt, you know, in 2022 and about sixteen billion dollars was due between last year September and this year September. They refinanced some recently, but there is more debt coming due next year as well, and in the form of bullet payments. Meaning, if they borrowed a billion dollars in 2017, they're only pay interest payments from then to today, and in the, on the maturity in 2023, they pay all of the principal. This meaning the billion dollars back at one time, and this is just you know where sitting down and going through the financial statements in detail of, you know, holding companies, you know, kind of shows you how money flows within financial groups and how dividends can be paid as well.
0: So, before we bring in Keisha, Roswell has a great question here for you, David. She says, Basel three, Basel II credit rating, I understand. Question, how long can companies stand up strong if, she, if we should have a deep economic downturn in the future? Because they're dependent is, loan, etc. I get the gist of what she's asking.
5: To be honest, Kalila, you know, there was a layoff, you know, at a broker last week, and I'm hearing, you know, of other potential layoffs coming in the financial sector in the coming months. For some persons, they're going to have a very rough Christmas because right now in this very difficult economic environment, people are taking the most judicious, judicious decisions of how they should move forward considering all that is going on. So, longer this trend continues to go on, in a sense, the harder it is going to be, you know, not just for banks, but other financial institutions.
0: Wow. Well, I can tell you for a fact right now, it is a tough economic environment. Businesses are having a hard time. Many businesses, let me not say all, because they're always the outliers that are able <laughs> to find a way and take advantage of whatever is going on. So Keisha, let's bring you in here. Let's look abroad, look in a foreign. The US Federal Reserve has signaled that it's gonna raise interest rates one more time this year according to the central bank's projection. But so same kind of discussion we're having just in a different market. Can the banks manage another interest rate hike once again?
4: So it's really from the investor perspective. um, what they, the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is saying basically is: Look here, inflation is still elevated, um, and because of that, he will need through the the FOMC committee they will need to raise interest rates one more time this year. It's coming. The the thing is though, economic growth is still strong. They improved the GDP for class, forecast, meaning then they expect the U.S. economy to continue growing. Unemployment will continue to fall, but inflation is still there. And especially what we're seeing now with gas prices creeping in, and that's a major driver of inflation, we still have elevated levels. And the target for inflation in the US is 2%. We are not near 2%, not likely to be near 2% until probably late 2024 or even later than that. So the news around this, um, this upcoming rate hike has sent stocks much lower in the U S September traditionally is a very bad month for stocks in the U S and it, I mean, it's playing into that. And the news from the Fed certainly didn't help in terms of the sentiment around stocks. So you know they say trouble a yard, trouble
0: abroad. It, uh-huh. It's there. As, the America sneeze, huh? As America sneeze, we catch coal. As America sneeze, we catch coal. Right. So
4: it's, it, the, the impacts then to Jamaica would be what we want to look at in terms of what's that going to do from an exchange rate perspective. Will that roll into interest rates here going high as well because the inflation overseas will flow locally as well. So something to watch for. I don't anticipate we may see the same thing coming in Jamaica where we're going to get higher interest rates. Don't see that happening. The Fed did mention challenges for banks within the US, but it didn't stress a lot around the nature of the challenges, just that, you know, banks continue to be stressed because we have tight financial conditions in the US. So um similar challenges being faced there in terms of banks being under a certain amount of stress, but the main thing as investors we're feeling is that the prices are falling. It can create, you know, buying opportunities for some persons who think more long-term, they'll use this as a buying opportunity. But for others who are in short-term trades, it's definitely very challenging for them.
0: Yeah. So which brings me to because we're now talking about a difficult economic environment now and this to continue and possibly even get worse. I want to ask both of you, what should investors be doing with their money now, starting with you, David?
5: So, you know, after my end of financially end of quarter trade this Friday, uh, I'm just going to be holding cash and looking at opportunities as they come. And, you know, I'm going to be very careful about, you know, what some would say as opportunities because they might buy a position and it's a falling knife, meaning that as you get in, it continues to go lower. And as you potentially say you're going to average down, it continues to go lower. So, right now, in the Jamaican market, you know, I'm more focused on being heavily careful with liquidity because anytime a position could open up, you don't want to be telling other stocks. And when you're trying to exit, you're going to take severe losses you where know, your 100% unrealized gain. Turns into a 20% realized gain just because there's not much buyers, you know, for that particular stock. In the US market, however, up there, it's actually fun. So Keisha highlighted that you know we'd have seen the decline in prices with timber. Last guys making money, you know, uh, with puts. And you know, that's just you know why I'm looking forward to in a sense the expansion of the ways that money can be made on the JSC. Because I could have, you know, shorted a stock. I took my option instead of using, by using puts, you know, as metal went down, I made money on it. I went my up again, bought a put, okay, I came back down, made money on it again. So, you know, right now it's being in Jamaica, we careful with liquidity. And, you know, just ensure that you understand that, hey, if I'm buying a stock, if there's just emergency coming up tomorrow, would I have to exit this position? And if I do have to exit, what potential loss am I looking at if there's not many buyers in the queue in the US markets? Just look and see, you know, where deals might exist because one thing about US market, it's very dynamic. So you have trends where in a particular period it's a prices fall, and you know, as you're seeing potentially a short squeeze or some other event, prices right back pretty fast, and that's your potential chance to make some very good gains.
0: So David says hold cash. Keisha, what do you say? Uh, from a
4: long-term perspective, you want the markets will always go back to the fundamentals. And so in times like these, when you know, stress, worry, panic, fear are becoming the order of the day, usually go back to the fundamentals. Look at those companies that you know they stand the test of time, they've been around forever and ever solid, strong companies and look for potential opportunities to load up on those. That's my personal philosophy. That's what I've been doing for years and it works. i am um, always just been long-term and that's what I look at. Um, not swayed by the noise, but uh, now is the time you look for those companies and, and take these opportunities to load into them. But load into the right type. You have to look for strong fundamentals. In the short term, you have... There's always opportunity to do what David's saying, you know, put options and so on. The US, other leverage trades on the US. In Jamaica, it's more or less hold some cash and wait to
0: buy. That's really what it would be. And just to remind you viewers this is not intended as financial advice this is the opinion of david and keisha and what and they what- personally are doing right now right we're uh, never telling not- you if we're gonna do it
4: we're saying we do
0: it. right <laughs> your strategy could differ based on what your goals are and I, i'm glad right. that keisha pointed out you know she takes a long-term view but you can have you know plays for the short term as well i think yeah, we so- have a question for keisha before we go, Sean says Keisha is the fundamentals queen. I am. <laughs> every day. Every day. Uh, we had a question for Keisha. Uh, where was it? I think it had to do with, I lost, I lost it. It had to do with the dividends thing on the 138 APO. If I can find it back, I'll, I'll ask you again. But Keisha, you have something coming up. You have an event coming right. up, right? Right. Workshop. So, uh,
4: or Build wealth Workshop. It's going to be on Saturday, October 14th. We're running a sale. Now it's 50% off because I want to make sure as many people as possible come and learn, especially with these types of markets, especially with this type of economy. You cannot be caught slipping. You cannot be on the sidelines saying, you know, I wish I knew what to do. Mm -hmm. There's always a way to make money. My job is to teach you how to do that. And so this workshop is gonna be geared towards teaching specific strategies and a lot of details for persons who are serious about building wealth. We're running a sale now, fifty percent off, so it's only fifty dollars to come. What? It's it's cheap. Very $50? cheap. Fifty dollars. Yeah, we're running a sale. All
0: day?
4: yeah. You give right? us
0: food too. Right? You can't be giving us food too. Yes, refreshments. You're feeding food. us too. Yes. For fifty dollars. <laughs> 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 yeah. Don't remember
4: to change the price, but yes.
0: You know, you get, when it does the sale end?
4: Educate. And so as many some people are saying I've got a lot of games on people saying, Keisha, I really wanna come, you know, but back to school was just here, yeah. and I really just wanna be there. So we've created this sale for those persons because you can't say you never get the opportunity to come. Let it not be said that the reason you are not wealthy is because you don't know what to do, because there are more than ample opportunities. I'm making sure that I provide that so you can come and learn and implement. When does the sale end? Uh, It's going till the end of the week.
0: Guys, this is an amazing deal. Lisa is giving you an entire day face-to-face with her. And other experts coming in. And other experts, plus she's giving you food. No sir. At right. AC Hotel? I mean, lunch alone at AC Hotel is yeah, no. $50. Right. <laughs> but you get Keisha and uh, what? Exper- yes, we have experts bringing on me? real
4: estate, um, unit trust, how to build a portfolio with stocks, the whole thing. We're showing you exactly how you create a portfolio for this type of economy to build wealth.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, David uh, and uh, can- You want to add something quickly, David?
5: I uh, saw so somebody asked me a question earlier about, Earl Stewart, he asked a question earlier, it was one of the highlighted comments, uh, you know, about not paying a dividend, and the reality is, here's a simple thing to highlight, Barita isn't considered a dividend at all in all of 2023, and, you know, no dividend, you know, paid by Barita means no dividends paying up to currency financial, and that's just, you know, one example of the reality of financial institutions right now not being a dividend and being very judicious with the future reality and also the present reality it means that, you know, no dividends has to be potentially the course of action because while persons would say, hey, there's always debt markets, isn't that attractive to be borrowing at 14, 15%, mm-hmm. especially if your return on what you're going to do is not going to be substantially higher to justify that risk. And when persons are asking, You know about just you know the market right now so yeah preference shares for example they're selling below par or at par offering eight nine percent and i've seen you know stocks trade at prices i've seen since started to invest on the js in 2016. you know i've bought and i bought at particular prices and so because a higher price you know trade the spreads but at the same time i've not been greedy to jump in and just say hey a cheap stock i'm gonna buy in I'm looking very carefully and, you know, it's been realistic. So a person's going into this Friday, which is the last day of the quarter, I would just, you know, be very careful. We shouldn't work to the last five minutes. And somebody mentioned in the comments mentioned about Trans Jamaica's dividend. And I'm not going to lie, this is one of the best IPOs of the decade.
0: (laughs) Trans Jamaica, right? Uh, Trust me that, Mandeville Highway, sweet. Short driving,
5: short driving.
0: Fence and some cow passing the road and goat passing the road. People driving the wrong way. That's gonna be sorted out soon. All I know is 45 minutes of the Mandeville, and I'm loving it. Uh, And they're gonna start reaping, uh, earning from that leg in January because I said seven million US free until December. All right. So thank you so much, David and Keisha. Great discussion as usual. Let's take a very quick break and we come back with final comments.
1: This segment of Taking Stock, The Analyst, was brought to you by Profit Jumpstarter.
0: I see you waiting for me. You're in my reach, but I have to have a little extra push to get close to you. Are you flirting with me? You want me to come get you, but you won't fall into my lap. You want me to show you that I want you. You want me to be responsible and proactive. Okay, you. I'm coming. i crack myself up sometimes anyway (laughs) all right final comments let's see who am i said Khalila. the markets are in a flux i have no clue how to play this market advice please well i hope you got some good advice just now sorry not financial advice i heard you listened to what david and keisha had to say just now and took those perspectives into consideration possibly for your own moves, all right? Mr. Brown said, so servicing and debt-paying dividends with the APO, uh, he's not interested in this one. Roswell, however, says the APO raise will leverage 138 student living to pay down debt and over time keep more of the profits. I believe in the long term they will do well. Uh, Javane, Javane says, good APO. Dan says uh, he or she, I believe it's a he, says somewhat interested or they. (laughs) Christopher says, looking forward to some discussion on Siboney. Uh, we didn't get to that tonight, Christopher. Anything new with Siboney? have to go check. What, what's the latest with Siboney? Who am I? Said, NCB stock depreciation is not making up for the dividend yield and continues, I'm so not into dividend paying companies. Uh, ATT is a good example. ATT stock price has fallen so far. You're pretty much stuck with the stock just to collect the dividend. Well, <laughs> Depends on how much is the dividend. If it's very attractive, then hey. And if the stock is likely to recover as well, Javon says. Where's Javon's comment? Buy the dip. NCB is here to stay. APO or no APO, NCB shares are worth buying right now. Look long term. We got uh, William says NCB continues to dilute its share price with the issuance of bond stock conversion. Not good. Uh, he again says cash is king in the stock market environment. Hoard cash my Jamaican people. Sean says the U.S. is a fun house right now. You sound like David. So much volatility, so much opportunity to make money. Jamaica's market is just red all around. lamtree making a good point. This is why it's important to have a very diverse portfolio. Uh, Shelley agreeing, hold cash. And she says, remember, two IPOs coming by December. Last week, Marlene Street Forest said at least one, possibly two. So we're looking at one to two. And Sean says anyone that didn't get into TJH at 140 is missing out big time. And remember, you remember TJH IPO that was like just before the pandemic. <laughs> so the, um, it opened just like a couple days or maybe a week or so before the pandemic. And then you had to wait for the listing, which was like weeks after and whole bloodbath during that time on the stock market. A lot of people who were brand new to investing got so scared because the value went down. Um, It wasn't trading at the 140, it was below the 140. So you actually lost money. But no, the dividend payoff is just sweet if you are a TJH investor. So it does make sense to look at things long-term. Things can turn around. Guys, make sure you like the video. All of my like police, where you're at, like the video, subscribe to the channel and share with a friend. Subscribe to the newsletter at kalilareynolds.com newsletter. Our new email subscribers get a copy of my free broker guide. And if you're just tuning in, I also have a gift for you in the description. There's a free download for my Productivity Hacks PDF from last night's webinar. Ask Khalila how to get Ish done. You can also watch the video replay with a subscription to the Money Mission community. Just go to moneymission.mn.co to join. Remember to turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see everything. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Khalila Rape. And remember, those are my only accounts. That's my only account. I don't have any backup account. Please report all the fakes, all the frauds, all the scams. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box for their contact information. Also visit our website, kalila.reynolds.com for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Now tell a friend about taking stock, investing, is the new sexy? So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Khalilah Reynolds. Thanks for watching. Let's get this money.